0: Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson.
1: Sometimes people think, well, I'm just going to live a good life and that'll be sufficient and people will see my good life and then they'll go, wow, Christianity great because that person is really good. Well, they're not going to draw that conclusion unless, first of all, they know you're living a good life because you're actually a Christian. So there has to be a verbalization. There has to be verbal communication.
0: Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the Gospel of John. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on John chapters 14 through 16 in the message titled, The Holy Spirit and the Life of the Church.
1: Now, here's Pastor Brian. The Holy Spirit's primary task is to awaken people to their need for Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit is primarily doing in relation to the world. Now, the second thing, the world is wrong about what is right. So, Bruner means by this, so the world has its standard of what's right. The world says, this is right. This is the ultimate right. But the Holy Spirit has a different standard. What is right according to Jesus, and this is what the Spirit is convicting people of, is a life of perfect obedience to the Father's will. This is the ultimate right. And Jesus is actually, he's living this out. And that's why it says that the, The Spirit will convict the world of righteousness, Jesus says, because I go to the Father, meaning either I go to the Father in the sense of I'm going to the cross, which is my ultimate act of obedience to the Father, or I go to the Father, meaning I go to the cross and the resurrection and back to the Father, which means that the Father is receiving my righteousness, and it's through my righteousness I'm able to access God. And it probably actually means both of those things. But here we know that the world puts very little importance on obedience to God. Very little importance on obedience to God. According to the world, and I would contextualize that to say this present moment in this place in the Western world, what is the most right thing anybody can do? Well, in our context, the most right thing anybody can do is be true to themselves. That's what's being pushed in the culture today. That's what's being emphasized. That's what's being demanded, that everyone is able to determine who they are and then express who they are, however they determine who or what they are, and anybody who resists that or questions that even, that's evil. That's that's terrible. So this is the great right. This is the great righteousness in our present cultural moment, but the world is wrong about what is right. It's not... The great right is not to discover and express myself. The great right is to submit myself to the one who made me and the one who died for me. And then thirdly, the world is wrong about who wins. The world is wrong about who wins. The world and, and in this I would just say the world is wrong about the the, the future. The world is wrong about the past. Whenever I hear people pontificating about the billions and billions of years and such and such and this and that, and the other thing happened then, I just think that is just, I, I can't hardly stand hearing that. But people also talk about the future in those kinds of ways. Well, this is where it's all headed, and this is where it's going to go, and this is going to happen here, and this nation's going to do this, and, and everybody's sort of got it all planned out and mapped out, and this is what it's going to look like. A million years from now. Well. The Holy Spirit convicts the world of judgment. The Holy Spirit convicts the world. Of the fact that. Your plan is dead in the water. Your your plan isn't going. Even though you might think it is. Convict the world of judgment. In life, Brunner said this, in life, it all too often looks as if the ruler of this world, the devil, wins the good versus evil contest in the world. From the cross through the Holocaust to the contemporary violence, corruption, and sleaze. You know, you look around, it just seems like the devil who's behind all of this, it, it seems like he's, he's winning, He's got all the resources. He's got, all, he's got the, the stronger team, the greater army. He's winning, it seems. The Holy Spirit, however, will encourage the church to live, preach, and teach. The victory's won, and her Lord is risen and reigns. All appearances to the contrary notwithstanding. I love that last little part. All appearances to the contrary, notwithstanding. So we say Jesus won, and he will soon show forth his victory. We look around and say, God, it doesn't kind of really look like that's happening, but it is. If you look more closely, it is. So this is what the Spirit does. The Spirit convicts the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. So how how does this take place? Well, going back to what I said earlier, the Spirit uses the church. And, And this is the point that Jesus is making that I think we need to really get a hold of. Jesus says, I will send you the Spirit, and he will convict the world of sin. And I think we could easily add this to what Jesus said, because this is what he means. I will send you, the church, the Spirit, and through you, the Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. You see, it's through the church that this is going to happen. As I said, through preaching, telling, living, and praying. Now, one more quote here. We already talked about the world is wrong about what is wrong, wrong about what is right, wrong about who won. And in all three cases, the Spirit will do this convicting charismatically by way of testimony, preaching, and teaching. The Spirit, through the church, will point exclusively to Jesus Himself as the answer to all three of these most disputed questions. I threw in a word that you never heard before charismatically. And this is not really an English word. It's, it's a, kind of an anglicized version of a Greek word. And kerygma, you find this word in the Greek New Testament, and it's a reference to the message preached. And again, I want us to see this. What we are being told is simply this, that the gospel spreads by word of mouth, and people are saved by hearing and believing a message. By hearing and believing a message. So see, this is something that we can't forget. Now, we, us, right here from this pulpit, we emphasize rightfully the need to really live our faith, to be like Jesus. We're a Jesus-formed community on mission. Meaning we want to be more like Jesus. We, we want to live our lives like him. But we have to remember, if we're living our lives like Jesus, what was Jesus known as primarily? Jesus was a preacher. That's how he was known. He was a preacher. And so that has to be a component. Sometimes people think, well, I'm just going to live a good life, and that'll be sufficient, and people will see my good life, and then they'll go, wow. Christianity is great because that person is really good. Well, they're not going to draw that conclusion unless, first of all, they know you're living a good life because you're actually a Christian. So there has to be a verbalization. There has to be verbal communication. The Holy Spirit, and here's what happens. The Holy Spirit brings the message to bear upon the hearts and minds of the hearers. The Spirit takes His words spoken by us to others and convicts and convinces them of their need for Jesus. Remember, Jesus is wanting to encourage these guys. And He's wanting to encourage us. He's wanting us to know you're not alone in what you're doing. It's not... Just, okay, get out there and do it. Take this message that nobody wants to hear and make them hear it. No, we take the message. The Holy Spirit's job is to make them hear it, but they've got to hear it first. It's it's got to get into their ear. That happens through us, but then the Spirit takes it to where it needs to go in the heart. And so... That's the way the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He does it through the message, through the charisma, through through this message about Jesus that is proclaimed. And you know, I said this earlier, and I'm a very opinionated person, and I have things that I like, and I have things that I don't like. And there are ways that people go about evangelism that I do not like. I just think, oh, gosh, that is just... No, don't do it like that. It's obnoxious. And although I do think, like I said earlier, I don't think you know we lead with to the waiter hey you're a lost sinner you're going to hell you need a savior i think we need to be wiser and more <laughs> i just think we need to do do that differently but sometimes in our preferences and in our the way we like things sometimes we would almost go for not doing it at all rather than having it done what in our minds is poorly. But I've lived long enough to know that people have come to faith in Jesus through methods that I would never have employed myself. So we have to be careful here. We have to be careful. We need to get the word out. So this is why we need to support. We might not agree with the particular method, but we need to support through prayer and affirmation every effort to get the gospel within earshot of people, whether we like the way it's packaged or not. Now, right now in our culture, there are, it's really an interesting moment right now. I, you know, we, we kind of, if we're, if we're attuned to what's going on outside of our houses, we know that the world's pretty crazy. The world is, is gone kind of just nuts. And yet, interestingly, there's also... Jesus is sort of being put forth in front of the culture in interesting ways right now. There's this series called The Chosen, which has been around for quite a while now. I think. And... The Chosen is about the life and ministry of Jesus. How many of you have seen The Chosen? Okay, so you know what I'm talking about. Now, there are lots of opinions about The Chosen. Some people think it's the greatest thing ever. It's amazing. I just really like, I just feel like it's so representative of who Jesus is. Some people feel that way. Other people are like, you know what? That didn't happen like that. You know, that's not in the Bible. What are they doing? How come they're messing up the story? So there's, there's all kinds of opinions about it. I have not watched it myself. Simply because I just generally don't watch those kinds of movies because I'll be the guy going, no, 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 Jesus did not do that. <laughs> no, Jesus did not act like that. Jesus did not say that. Just a confession. But... I pray that God will use it. And I affirm that God is using it. And if somebody tells me, you know, I'm watching The Chosen, I'd say, God bless you. That's awesome. Keep watching. Because we want people to hear about Jesus. We understand that the more exposure they have to Jesus, the higher the probability that they might come to faith, right? Right? And so when it comes to these things, I think, I mean, unless it's just something blatantly obviously not true about Jesus or glorifying him, we have to set aside our preferences at times and just say, you know what? I thank God that Jesus is being put front and center in American culture right now. I thank God for that. Because I know that through that, the Holy Spirit is going to be able to take those words that are proclaimed in these various contexts and use them in people's lives. D.L. Moody, who was the 19th century, late 19th century version of Billy Graham, he conducted large-scale evangelistic campaigns, he was criticized by someone for his evangelistic methods. In other words, people didn't like the way he did it. And I think his response is good. He said, I prefer my way of doing evangelism to your way of not doing evangelism. (laughs) And so often, that's the reality. The people criticizing the method are not doing anything themselves. And let's not be those people. And so, this is what I'm saying. Even if we don't get on board with it, even if we might not necessarily find it something that we resonate with on our level of taste, we just recognize you know, God is at work. And we thank God that He is at work. And so, preaching, telling, praying, preaching—we look for opportunities to preach. But I thank God we have a radio station, and through that radio station, the gospel is is being broadcast twenty four seven. And I could stand up here all day and tell you amazing stories of how people have come to faith by stumbling on the station, didn't even know it existed picked up a rental car, turned on the radio, and it happened to be this 107.9 thing, and they heard a message that began something in them that would eventually lead them to faith. I've heard that story personally many times over. And so preaching, telling, us just telling people about Jesus, about what he, if, if nothing else, telling people about what he's done for us. That's huge right there. Telling people what he's done for us. And then praying also. And in closing, I want to just talk for just a quick second about praying for awakening. We need an awakening. We need a spiritual awakening. An awakening is that it manifests itself in different ways. Spirit conviction upon the culture through exposure to the gospel, when that happens, people start to be awakened. It might begin by annoyance, irritation. Turn that off. I don't want to hear that. Don't talk to me about that anymore. I'll never forget this incident that I experienced years ago where we went out on the street to do, you know, outreach. And I approached a guy to talk to me. He said, don't talk to me. And I said, well, I just wanted." I said, don't talk to me. <laughs> and I mean, this guy was like, he was absolutely just do not talk to me about this. And, you know, probably most of the time I would say, okay, I'm going to move on and talk to that guy. But for some reason, I kept persisting. <laughs> I kept coming back around. And, you know, finally he let me talk to him. And at the end of the conversation, you know what he said? He said, thank you for talking to me. (laughs) And he said, I never heard this stuff before. (laughs) So the Holy Spirit did something in that 30-minute window. And so the spirit conviction, we pray for that. Spirit conviction within the church through the influence of Scripture, as God convicts us through his word and says to us, you know, you need to be more serious. You need to be more serious about your own commitment to me. You need to be more serious about the mission that I've called you into. We need to pray for the Spirit to empower us as believers. Now, if you put... These different passages together that we have here in John, or if you go into the book of Acts, the book of Acts is really the, it's called the Acts of the Apostles. It very well could just be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit because that's really what it's all about. But if you put these things together, you have in Acts chapter 2, you have the Holy Spirit coming down in power upon believers, empowering them to be a witness for Jesus. So let's say you have this here, you have the empowered. Believers, And over here, you have the convicted world. When these two things collide, you know what you have? You have a great harvest of souls. You have a great move of God that changes lives and changes communities and changes society sometimes. So that's what we want to pray for. We want to see that happen. The last thing I want to say, and I talked about it before, but I'll just go back to the mysterious working of the Spirit in people's hearts. Thank God that the Holy Spirit works in people's hearts to convict of sin, righteousness, and judgment, sometimes even completely apart from human instrumentation. And sometimes it's the Lord is just, he's doing something in somebody's mind and somebody's heart. He's bringing them to this place of ultimately receiving Jesus. On my trip home recently from Europe, I read once again the story of C.S. Lewis's conversion. C.S. Lewis was an Oxford Don. He was uh, held the chair of Renaissance and medieval literature at Cambridge University. One of the most brilliant men of the 20th century. And he came to faith, but he describes it's a long journey where the spirit of God is. He, he likened the spirit of God to like a hound tracking him down. And finally, bringing him to the place that he really never wanted to come. He didn't want to be a Christian. But he came to a point where he could no longer resist. And I think about that, and I think, yes, thank you, Lord, that you're doing that too. But all of this is the work of the Spirit. And as we finish today, let's ask the Lord for a fresh outpouring of his Spirit. That he might just come down upon people all around us in convicting power and that he might use us, give us opportunity and give us boldness to speak the message, to tell people about Jesus, what he's done for us and what he wants to do for them.
0: And now, let's join Pastor Brian in the studio
1: as he shares about this month's resource on Back to Basics. There's so many questions today about science and faith, and uh, are they compatible? Can you be even a scientific person and a believer at the same time? Well, Professor John Lennox from Oxford University says, yes, you can. And in his fantastic book, Can Science Explain Everything?, He basically shows us from a scientific standpoint and as a scientist that science cannot explain everything, but of course the Gospels and the Word of God do. So I love this book. It's an easy read. It's very helpful. It's a great book to read yourself and to even pass on maybe to a skeptical friend. So I want to encourage you to pick up Can Science Explain Everything by Dr. John Lennox.
0: Again, this month's resource is a book titled, Can Science Explain Everything by Dr. John Lennox? You can order the book, Can Science Explain Everything by going to our website, backtobasicsradio.com. Scroll down until you see the photo of it and then click on the donate button. When you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book, Can Science Explain Everything by Dr. John Lennox? It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you